Hello and welcome to the Bond Mode podcast. This week, Jeremy Lim is interviewing himself while I just sit back and take all the credit. You know, like how the industry works. And with that, over to Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. Nice to meet you, Jeremy. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing fine, Jeremy. Thank you very much. That's all the pleasantries out the way. My name is Jeremy Lim. I am a uh, actor slash writer slash comedian slash musician. Um, that's all the slashes. Um, so, uh, my favourite song is my first question to me, and I guess it's a toss-up between Die Meinacht by Brahms uh, or the Ying Tong song by the Goons. One or the other. They're, obviously, they're both very similar. <laughs> either, either that or the uh, the movie version of the Are You Being Served theme tune. Not not the TV version, the movie version, which doesn't have the lyrics, but it's got a much more funky uh, feel to the whole thing. You, you Check it out, honestly, it's, it's amazing. Um, so that's that. Uh, my favourite book. This is a tricky one, really, because um, once I read a book, I sort of forget about it afterwards. But there are a few things which have haunted me over the years. One of which is, and this is, <laughs> this is my first um, my first go-to book, uh, Jude the Obscure by Thomas Hardy. Full right. of gags. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's where I got my, my humour from, obviously. My favourite film, again, this is a toss-up, um, is... Either, depending on my, depending on what mood I'm in, I think it's either the Lady Killers, the original version, 1955, or Brazil, uh, the uh, Terry Gilliam film. Um, and uh, today it's the Lady Killers, but it, it might all change by the end of the day. <laughs> so, so there you go. That's um, a great choice, Brazil. That's it a- is. They're both amazing. I mean, they're very different. I'm trying to think yeah. if there are any links between them, but I can't think of any at all. So, no, I'm sure some clever person will point it out, but, but yeah, no, <laughs> Brazil is just such a mind-bender, isn't it? But it is. It's, 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 it's the sort of... Because um, I, I love Terry Gilliam, uh, as in his output, rather than some of his views. But um, that is the sort of purest um, and most successful um, uh, example of his vision, I guess. I think um, so. I, I recall... Um, I think I, I first saw Brazil when I was... Quite well, I say quite young. I'm trying to make out I'm young here, um, <laughs> but uh, I just remember struggling with it and saying, "I don't like this. I really don't like it." And I didn't see it for ages, and then I just thought I should give it a second chance because I've grown up and I'm older now. Yeah. And then I was just amazed at how brilliant it was. I thought, "Why? Why did I struggle with it the first time?" I, I still don't know really, but it is a <laughs> absolute classic. It is. I, rem- I think I don't think I saw it in this. I think I was slightly too young for it in the cinema. I can't mm-hmm. remember when did it come out. Was it eighty five or something? Somewhere around there, blindly. Um, oh, let's not think about that because it's too no. horrible. <laughs> but I mean, I remember the first, my first um, exposure to any of it was when it, I think it was when it was first on telly. There was a trailer for it, and they included that amazing pullback shot where Jonathan Price looks virtually into the camera, and then it pulls back very quickly, and he's in the inside that great sort of like gas um, container, whatever it is, where he yes. gets interrogated. And I thought, hang on, I have to see this. Yes. Um, yes. And I was glad I did. Yes. More dark than people realise, I think. Um, yeah, it's an incredibly dark film, but it's yeah. incredibly funny as well. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Anyway, sorry. That's right. Sorry. No, no, please. I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for the interruptions because otherwise I'd blather off into infinity. <laughs> so, shall I move on to question two? 
Yeah, all your favourite uh, joke. Oh, joke, I am done that. Yeah, <laughs> this is a tough one because um, I'm, I'm sure you're like me and that when someone says, come on, tell us a joke, your mind freezes. Oh, 100%, yes. And I, as a, I know as a comedy person, that's people's knee-jerk reaction. Go on, prove you're funny. It's like, no, no, that's... No. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, I, I do have... A, a, <laughs> one of my favourite jokes is an intensely dark joke, which so I'm not going to tell it. I'm just going to tell you the punchline. And if you know, you know. So the punchline is... It's all right for you. I've got to come back on my own. So um, yes, I know the one. I'm banned from saying that one. So no. Well, I, I mean, it's a the reason I like it is not because it's dark, but because it's sort of strangely um, English and and you know about the comedy of manners. Uh, but it just happens to be in a very dark setting. Anyway, yes. there you go. <laughs> yes. Right. Shall I move on then? Go on. Go on then. All right, then. So my second question to me is, um, which comedian or sketch first made you laugh? Um, and again, this is quite a tricky one because, I mean, I don't think Brian Kant on Playaway counts, does it? <laughs> I don't see why not. <laughs> I, I mean, quite I use... like that idea. That's quite left field. Well, I did, because when I, when I was very young, obviously play school was the sort of, was the, was the dull thing you had to get, get go through. And the Playaway was like the naughty... Young, little brother of play school yes and it was sort of symbolised by Brian Kant yes and he'd always be dressed up as a schoolboy or something which immediately was funny yes um, <laughs> so I, I might go with that but probably if I'm being a little bit more um, circumspect about about influences and stuff like that it would probably be Laurel and Hardy oh because when we were kids as you probably remember they were on you know quite often interstitial between programmes they'd shove on a Lauren Hardy short. <laughs> they did, yes, that's true. Um, that and, true actually. and you know, and I was just immediately, as as anyone is, I think, especially especially children, you you just you're drawn in immediately by just the you know the first of all the silly gags, and then the slightly more um, complicated gags, and it's just it's per- there's something perfect about it and their relationship and everything. Yes, best, best double yeah. act ever, maybe. Yeah, I I think I know. There's always uh, you know, other double acts thrown into the mix, but I mean, as you say, that I mean the stunts. All right, not the most dangerous stunts. There are others of that period who were doing yeah way more risky stunts at well, insane level. I'd say stunts, but like Keaton and and, yeah. and and Harold Lloyd, of course. Yeah, how can I try and kill myself on this one? Yeah, um, but mind you, mind you, having said that, I mean Hardy really throw, literally throws himself into into what he has to do. He really does. Yeah, and yeah. He's, he, he could do a fall, and he, obviously he could do a reaction as well. But I'm sure it, I'm sure a lot of it was genuinely painful. It, it has to have been, surely. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I I do worry about the number of times he gets hit in the face. You do think that, <laughs> that must, over time, have done some kind of damage to him. Um, and you, you you might well know this fact, but um, um, Stan Laurel was more of the create uh, the sort of the power behind the the duo mm. in a way, or the creative force anyway. Yeah. And um, and Oliver Hardy used to want to go off and play golf, mm. and and so to get the the classic long-suffering reaction shots from Oliver Hardy, Laurel, Laurel would leave them till last on the schedule so that Hardy would be itching to go off and play golf. And so his, oh, look, his look at the camera looking really pissed off. There's it it a bit of method in there is what I mean. I didn't know that, but that, that makes perfect sense. If you if you need those reactions and you know the best way to get them is to go, well, no, <laughs> just stay for another hour. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I I like his thinking. If that's <laughs> how you get those shots, that's how you get those shots, isn't it? So yes, I love He's, the fact that yeah, the lure of golf was the uh, the trigger. I know looks so miffed. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'd rather. Well, anyway, that's, we don't need to go on about golf. Apparently, he used to go off and play play golf with Bing Crosby, and they'd oh, sing wow. they'd sing duets as they went around the course. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have seen that. Yeah, actually, that I'm not a golf person, but that would have been fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, Fantastic. That's all right. Right. My next question: What is the most outrageous request you've ever received for not attending a gig? Is it not attending? I think there was there was a missing not in your question. But I, I think it. I think it makes sense if it's, there's a not there. If you see what I mean? Oh, okay, go with that. Yeah, I'm happy Did, for ever received or not ever received. Yeah. So, um, well, I, I I couldn't think of anything specific for this one, but we did when when I did a lot more live sketch show performances and stuff like that. What used to really bug me and my fellow um, members of the troupe was if you're getting ready and you're like 15 minutes before the gig and people start texting and ringing, say, "All oh, right, where is it? Where do I get tickets? How do I get there? Can you put, <laughs> save me a seat on the do-? all that sort of thing?" Yes. And they that, that always used to put our backs up, and then they'd arrive, and you'd be usually be waiting um, out front as well, and they start yammering at you again when you were trying to get ready. So we used to just go up and hide in the venue, and not, not have to bother with it. <laughs> yeah, so that's the closest I've got for that for that sort of, that um, that quit. But no, I don't think I've ever had a, one specific thing which sticks in my mind apart from that. Oh, that's I mean no, that's quite uh, you, I. Did some work. I won't name them, but I did some work with uh, a, a comedian who was at the time up and coming. Um, yeah, and just staggered by the number of people who knew them, who would just sort of basically text and saying, "Oh, can I have a comp? Yeah, you know, can I have a yeah. yeah." It's like, no, no, look, they <laughs> yeah, they've had to pay to sort of basically get their way here. You know what? What they need is a return on that investment. What what they can't really afford to do is then also pay for your <laughs> or not get yeah. money on the venue um, and the time they're on but you just if you're going to support them support them you know I yes. know it's easy to say if your money's um, not easy to come by but you know it's not like the tickets were punishingly expensive because it was early days so exactly yeah and also just while they went on you think that's quite demoralising isn't it so I'm here to support you buddy as long as you give me a free ticket it's like well <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> I'm not quite sure that's the support I need and, and uh, that's coupled with the fact that you know half the time you're trying to remember if you got all your props and all, all your oh if you can remember all your lines and everything. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I have nothing but admiration for anyone who steps up on stage um, and does that because just I think everyone thinks they can do it, but I think once you're up, your brain just I don't know sort of goes into a bit of panic mode, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. And, and anyone who can pull it off and pull off even a half successful gig, I just have nothing but admiration uh, for that ability to just get up and do it. Because well, weirdly, the, 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 mo- the most stressful is for me anyway was always the, that hour leading up to it, and mm. then once it actually started, everything was fine. Even if it wasn't fine, if you see what I mean, even if things went yeah. wrong, if you're in the middle of performing, you 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 just because you have to handle it, so you do. But before, yeah. when you're you've got time to worry and think too much that's when it yeah that's when the stress yeah, gets you yeah it's that waiting isn't it where you're yeah. going oh what can go wrong what can go wrong where's this have i forgotten that yeah i i can imagine that's um 
the most stressful part for some people. Yeah, definitely. But it's always amazing uh, for me anyway when they do interview you know, comedians who have been at the top of their game and you just assume they just stroll on, do their set and stroll off again. Yes. And then you know, they're just talking about the huge amount of stress and how mm. they're basically close to being sick or before going on or having the sweats or... Yeah, whatever yes. it is, you know, and you just think, wow, I just assumed you just sort of turned up. <laughs> yeah, Did well, quite. Went off again, I assumed it, you know, almost like water off a duck's back kind of thing at that point. But even those people who've been at it for 10, 20, 30 years still have that. Exactly, nerve, yeah. You know. It's the art that conceals the art, isn't it? Mm, yeah. And also, what, uh, was it, I can't remember, I think it was Bob Hope probably who said it. He said, um, being famous and successful buys you like 30 seconds. And then you have to be funny. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that probably is true. Yeah. Yes. Right, next question. Right, next question is, if only one comedy festival was allowed to survive, which one would you fight for and why? So this is a very interesting question. I've been thinking a lot about this because I, I think that the one I've got most experience in doing is obviously the Edinburgh Fringe one, which I've done over the years. Uh, I've lost, I must have done about at least 15 of them. Um, but the thing, what tends to happen, and this is a sort of general symptom of humanity generally, is that everything becomes commercialised. Mm. So the Fringe, which started off very Fringe-like, has become very corporate. And so there's grown up other, like the Free Fringe has now taken over the role of the original Fringe, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I've no doubt that that will in itself will become corporatized or, and there'll have to be a, another fringe of the fringe of the fringe, if you see what I mean. <laughs> so what I'd like oh, is, yes. you know what I mean? So yeah, what, I'd, what I'd like there to be is, is a sort of crystallized. It's like, cause I always, I never quite understand why does money have to be subject to inflation? Why can't it just be the same all the time? And obviously, there, obviously, there's the forces behind that economics and bollocks like that. Yeah. But, um, but I think why can't the fringe just stay as the? Fr- I mean, when I first started doing it, it was the late nineties, I guess, and um, it was so different to even fifteen years later. But then, probably people doing it in the late nineties would, would say, "Well, it's no, not what it was like in the early 80s. <laughs> that's a, yeah. The past is always better. The that, past is always a, better. But simple, isn't it? Yeah. So for me, I, I guess it would be if I would fight for the late nineties Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> oh, which, that's I like it. Actually, taking a period of time as well as the show, I like it. Yeah, well, that was. I mean, it's, again, it's probably to do with time of life and everything like that, and it was all new to me. I wasn't jaded, um, <laughs> but but there, there definitely was something more. It just it just felt uh, everything was cheaper, of course, which didn't which helped. Mm. I mean, cheaper to put on a show. Certainly, you could. Just turn up, almost turn up with a few hundred quid and and, and do a show. Whereas the, these days you have to, if you're in the official fringe, I think you have to be able to shell out five figures. I think before you can even think about doing a show. Yeah, yeah, that, that's something like that. Thought, certainly, and and also that um, people with properties nearby are rinsing you for rent. Um, yes, well, that's what I mean, really. I mean, that's at least yeah. half of that is is the rent. So yeah, yeah, it's it does seem. I get people want to make a bit of money from it but but just make a bit of money from it you don't have to <laughs> absolutely rinse people do you really? no um, it just seems a shame it seems to not be the spirit of why people are going there no um, so I said, uh, the, the first year I went I yeah. had 
utterly clueless about the layout of Edinburgh, and I just, I'd just been booking tickets for people who, you know, I was interested. Yeah. In. Oh, that sounds interesting, and just booking a ticket. It wasn't until I actually got there. Yes, unfortunately, I was staying with a friend who lived in Edinburgh, so I wasn't paying horrendous. Um, yes, oh, that's great. Rates. But but I, it's not. It didn't dawn on me until I was there, and I was sort of showing her the um, my sort of tickets. Itinerary, and, yeah. And she was like looking at me like, "Are you an idiot?" It's like, oh. it's like, well, that venue is way over there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you book it for the next one, which is way over there. How are you going to get there? Yes. Like, like, oh, like... I, I just assumed it was like in a block. You know, I was that naive. <laughs> That's what I went to. I assumed oh. it was like in a square, you know, not yes. spread out across the whole of Edinburgh. And it's like, oh, right, yes. <laughs> it doesn't help that sometimes it's in three dimensions as well. So you can be in the right place. But just you need to be two hundred feet above where you where you're standing sometimes, yes. and that yeah yeah. But but I, I you're right, so right on the commercialisation. I know that's yeah that's sadly the way of everything for music festivals. Everything's yeah. gone that way, hasn't it? You know, the, of course. I, I remember going to some Reading and Glastonbury and other ones where you could. I wouldn't say you could literally walk in without a ticket, but it was certainly more a free spirit. Sure, um, and then the bands. It was just bands. There was no commercialization, and it was just basically a weekend or a long weekend of just enjoying whoever you enjoyed music-wise. And and now it's very much you know there's banners and advertising everywhere, and everything's very much geared to you sort of seeing or buying product. And it feels like you're walking into a sort of an open prison, um, you, know, <laughs> you know. And it's just—I'm not sure this is really the free spirit of music that was intended by festivals, but no, you know, is what it is. I mean, presumably with music festivals, I'm not a vastly experienced with music festivals, but presumably you get smaller ones coming up to to take the place of the ones which have got too yeah, big. You do get you do get ones trying, and you do. It's the same with comedy. There's ones that have sort of appeared. I wouldn't say recently, but reasonably recently, have sort of appeared and become quite popular because they do offer, the, I think, that more the original intention of yeah. the festival. You know, that it was just people who enjoy that comedy or those comedians or that comedy or that music or whatever it is, and they're just turning up collectively to enjoy it and don't want to be forced to look at advertising slogans or, sure. or whatever. You know, and it was just actually, no, I'm here for the band or I'm here for the comedian or I'm not yeah. here. You know, for your marketing opportunity, um, and I think that is a shame. But some, yeah, obviously, some have come up and are doing quite well. But you kind of waiting. It's almost like TikTok waiting for the uh, corporates to approach them and go, <laughs> "You're yeah. doing very well. How would you like us to pay for some of your?" <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I know it's a difficult. It's easy to sit here and say, "Well, I wouldn't take the money," but. Possibly, if you put all that energy into organising something that's now successful, and someone says, "I'll pay for the, I don't know, the land or the rooms or whatever," in return for you sticking up some advertising slogans, it's I can see the temptation. So, yeah, I guess so. That's the trouble with money. Yes, yeah, oh, yes, always. <laughs> right, Very profound. Next so, next question is: um, Do you have a lucky totem that has to attend every show, event, or writing room with you? What do you believe would happen if you lost it? Uh, I'm afraid the answer to this is no. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I really don't. I was, I've tried to think if I did and never thought about it, but I really don't think I do. That's, that's, um, probably, that's, that's a perfectly healthy answer. Um, <laughs> I know some people have uh, items that they uh, uh, treasure, covet. Yeah. Um, and I think there would be, I, I assume there would be some level of panic that their powers are lost. 
Uh, yes. Yeah. No. I. I think. I. Uh, you know. Whatever. My. My self confidence. I guess is the. Is the lucky totem. And I, was, I do regularly leave that at home. So, yeah. Uh, so. I mean, as an exa- non-comedy related example, but yeah, about oh, bloody twenty-five, thirty years ago, as a, I think, not a joke to say, but just a sort of throwaway. Someone gave me a small knitted pick. They said, yeah. "Oh, this is for your safe journeys." Oh right! I put it in the car just as a oh yeah, just almost as a thank you. I better put it in the car so you can see it. You know, like when you put out the awful Christmas present when someone turns up just so they can see it. Yes, yeah, or that, where the where the shirt they've given you or whatever. Yeah, exactly that kind of thing. Just yeah. to show willing. Um, but then thirty years on, that that pig is still in the car because somewhere in my head I've gone. I, I better just keep it in the car. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I never haven't had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just in case, I haven't had an accident in 30 years, so I'm not saying it's the knitted pig that has prevented that, but there is just an element of me going, I I probably don't want to risk the wrath of yes. uh, the pig spirits uh, by <laughs> moving the travel pig from the car. Yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the worst spirits to incur the wrath of. Oh, well, exactly. And it's so daft, and you know in your upper brain, you know it's daft, but there's your lizard brain that's going, yes. yeah, but, but why risk it? There's no yeah. need there. What difference does it make? It's like, no, you're right. You've made me want to get a lucky totem now, just so that I can. Oh, sorry, no, I wasn't trying to. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to do. Uh, no, I'm going to find one. I'm going to. I'm going to go out and find something meaningless and worthless. I'll put it in my pocket. To my website, luckytotems.com. Um, you can buy <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Next question. Next question is, if you could pretend a sketch, radio show, TV show or film was written by you, which one would you blatantly steal? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, there's so much, but I think if I'd written even one episode of Seinfeld, I'd, oh. I'd be very happy. Interesting. If I'd, if I'd created the whole thing, obviously I'd be <laughs> happy and rich as well. If you're going to steal it, just steal the entire thing. Don't steal exactly. one episode. Yeah, well, quite. Why not? In which case, yeah. Yes, I just I think for me that's the perfect sitcom. Sitcom is sort of the um, the holy grail of comedy in a way because it's uh, you know you can not, I was going to say anyone can write a great sketch. That's not true, of course. But mm. sketch has got defined rules and it just has to work for whatever it is three or four minutes. Whereas a successful sitcom, if even if it's only twelve episodes, still has to work for six hours. If you see what I mean. Um, and and creating characters which are which you want to watch, even if you sort of don't respect them, if you know what I mean, you love them for their foibles. I think in most, I'm not sure I believe what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. In <laughs> most most great sitcoms, there's a back backbone of warmth to it all, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yes. Um, I mean, Seinfeld is so spiky and sarcastic and there's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of self, what do I mean? They're, they're all self-obsessed and self-absorbed. There's not much empathy between any of the characters, but there's something about them that, that just, I want to always watch it. I want to see what happens to them. I want to know how they're going to react to anything. Do you see yeah, what I mean? I- I I totally understand what you mean. I, I think it's it is incredibly well written, um, and and the character dynamics. Yeah, I think and some of the so best. well performed. I mean, 
all yeah. for all for. I mean, I know Jerry Seinfeld wasn't an actor, but that sort of adds to it a little bit. The fact yeah. that he's he's almost one remove and he's laughing at the other characters. Yeah, maybe, and maybe that's where the warmth comes from because uh, laughter is infectious, obviously. Yes, and you can often see when they're uh, having seen the outtakes, you know that they're quite often. They, they would dissolve into laughter. Apart from Michael Richards, who took it all very seriously. And he's incredible mm. to watch physically. He's one of the most physically gifted com- comedians in a sitcom. Yes. But, and, yeah. but when he would make people crack up on set, he'd get annoyed. He'd say, oh, come on now. <laughs> I'm trying to do my job. It's like, you realise you're on a coach. No, never mind. Move yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Jason Alexander are just so gifted with lines and just the way they deliver there's certain certain dialogue which isn't uh, you know on paper isn't funny but just the way they deliver it and the, I think, the yeah i think that's a very under sometimes very underrated it's not obviously i i write scripts so i'd obviously say it's 100 percent down to the script um but, <laughs> but actually in reality um a lot of it is having the right person to deliver the line or find a way that yeah. you know, where you go oh actually that's a lot better than i had in my head well, yeah, that's and again, it's it's that holy grail, is that mystical thing where everything the the, the stars align, and mm. you, you get a perfect storm of performance writing and and vision of, of the whole project, sort of thing. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of mockery made of the, particularly in America, the horrendously large writers' rooms. Yeah, know, but there's just so many people trying to work out the script, but but sometimes you need. There's different voices, there's different opinions, there's different to sort of meld it together into something that's going to be universally successful. Uh, it's great, you know, when you write your own thing and in your mm. own head, it's funny, but you actually do need other people to go, mm, well, I, I don't really understand what you meant here or, or, you know, what were you trying to achieve with this? And you need that, yes. you know, you need, you need people to go, I know it's clear in your head. Well, that's the thing. Thing I love about one of the things I love about Seinfeld. I think the impression I get from watching the sort of mini documentaries on the DVDs and stuff is that the writers' room. Obviously, there was a huge writers' room, but the, the, what they bring to it was not snappy one-liners, but just odd things that had happened in their life or observations or yeah. or thoughts. Like, do you know the Festivus storyline? Where George's parents, instead of Christmas, they have a festival called Festivus. Oh, they put a big iron pole in the middle of the room, and yes. then they tell each other what exactly what they think of them. Which <laughs> yeah. is such a weird concept. But apparently, it came from one of the writers. That actually, that was how he was he was brought up. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's the, the surrealism, the the sort of under the under the surface surrealism of Seinfeld. I think is what appeals to me. That's why I'm much. I mean, I used to enjoy Friends. Um, but I, it's, I think it's quite dated in many ways, and also it is just mainly a succession of snappy one-liners and and then a bit, a bit of um, character building at the end of each episode, sort of thing. Yeah, whereas, that, Se- whereas Seinfeld is all, all just surrealism, and they they're exactly the same at the end. Yeah, I think it, it does uh, it does make it timeless, doesn't it? They don't really learn or develop, so you no. don't have a problem of uh, it not becoming something you originally liked. Whereas obviously, when friends. Well, I say came back, but when it was re properly rebroadcast, there was uproar, wasn't there, about um, some of the topics or some of the attitudes it had towards you know aspects, yeah, of, aspects of life choices and and how it was just inappropriate. And it's this, uh, I, I there's there's a lot of in the nineties. There was quite a lot of casual sexism yeah. and homophobia that we sort of didn't really notice at the time. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and I, I fear that now. I, I don't. Well, I didn't. 
let's not get into this on this book. We'll be no, here all no. night. But, but I, even to this day now, there are some films that I have watched for a while that I do hold in high regard, and a part of me fears watching it. Yes. Case ten minutes into it, something that I didn't pick up on is said or an attitude, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, the whole thing's ruined now because I, you know, I just didn't yeah. see. In, you know, I wasn't as mature and wasn't as aware. I didn't see that, or I didn't, fi- or I filtered it out something, and now that yes. whole thing's ruined for me now. Um, it's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, again, it's probably not not getting off topic slightly, but I think as long as there's a, a banner or a, a something at the beginning which says you are aware that there's going to be things in here which have our attitudes towards it have changed, but with that proviso, go ahead and watch it and enjoy it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's, no, no, it's, I, I don't think you can hide from what existed. You can't. No, exactly. No, happen. That's you so. can't. But you can't change the past either. So you sh- no. I don't. I don't think you should censor anything or, or bleep things out or anything. I think you should just say this is going to happen. So yeah. just just be aware of that. Yes, yeah, so then up to you if you wish to move on or watch. Yeah, but yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Mm. Right, uh, before we get into some horrendous <laughs> murky waters. Yes, which we already have. Which we already have, but um, uh, next question. Next question. Name one time you were proud of your work and why. Thank God it's only one time. No, um, uh, I, I. there are a couple of answers for this, really. Um, one of them, the first sort of proper comedy I did, as I say proper, the first paid gig, let's call it, was um, and I played piano for News Review back in the first time I did it was back in 1997. Wow! Um, I know it was a long, hell of a long time ago. But anyway, News Review is the, the before actor comedians and then someone at the piano, mm. and um, and I, and I, I'd start writing sketches for that. And in fact, that's how I ended up acting a little bit because I'd always write some lines in for me from the piano, sort of thing. Absolutely, it's a bit cheeky, but, but you know, you got to got to have an in. Exactly. <clears throat> but anyway, so we were performing because basically, the, with news review, you have a cast who has, I think it's a six week run, and then they get a new cast and director in. So it's and it's four days. I can't remember. Now, I think it's four days a week. Um, the performance is and obviously writing and rehearsing. Yeah, most, most of the rest of the week. But anyway. Um, so we were doing it over April, May, I think it was, 1997, which was over the time of the general election where oh. Tony Blair swept to power by yes. a landslide. And that was very exciting because even right up to the wire, we didn't know if they were going to win. So we sort of had two shows almost planned, um, as in, in the event of a, of a, of a oh. Labour landslide, which yeah. people were yeah. predicting, or in the event of a rather more compromised result. Yes. I don't, I don't know if we had a John Major landslide. We probably didn't. We weren't that stupid. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, when and the euphoria when Labour got in that night was amazing. We'd done the show already, but I'd written a song. I say written. I mean, this is it's quite hack work in a way uh, when you take the words of an existing song, take the music of an existing song and add your own words in to make it, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fine. It's, you know... Everyone's allowed to do it once. Is <laughs> that the role? <laughs> There's my role. I'm, I'm very snobby about that thing. I, I mean, I still do it all the time, but anyway. Um, so I'd taken the um, the Kink song, Thank You for the Days, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, it was sort of like a 
joke thank you to the Tories for the, for their their past whatever it was eighteen years of rule. And there was one line in it towards the end of it, which is six thousand fucking days, which <laughs> I, I sort of worked out was about how many how long they'd been in power. Yeah, and for some reason, when when we delivered that line on the on the first of May, the roar from the crowd of joy and laughter was absolutely incredible. So even though it was a hack joke and a hack line from a fairly speed written show, it was that gave me a buzz. Oh, that's brilliant! But how how wonderful that that um, something you've created, getting that feedback is is always yeah. Great. You know that was, and as I say, it was one of my first, um, you know, professional, professional. You know what I mean? Paid, let's say, one of my first paid gigs as a as a comedy performer. So that was great. Oh, that's wonderful! Uh, it must be amazing when you get an audience. You know, I know you've caveated it, but but even so, just having a, a line. And just seeing an audience collectively react in such a positive manner. Must yeah, it was. Incredible. It was amazing. And it's partly, I mean, it's partly the euphoria of the time because uh, yeah. I, I remember for the next week or so, people just on the streets were grinning and it was just, it just, it was a very positive time. Yeah. For a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until reality sinks back exactly, in. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, but, but. No, I can imagine on on the night all that goodwill, all that yeah, something great is a coming feeling you get at that. Yeah. Point. Oh, how wonderful! So, on the flip side, on to the next question. <laughs> Name one time you could have curled up into a ball and let the universe swallow you whole. To be honest, there are probably more of these than the uh, proud of your work one. No, no, no. But to be honest, um, it's. I don't think I've ever. I've got a sort of strange, um, un, unembarrassability when I'm on stage. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So we've had gigs as the trap, me, Paul, and Dan. Yeah. Um, it's basically it's whenever you guest on another show, that's when things are tricky, because they haven't come to see you. They've come to see a show, and yeah. you and you're then judged as to whether you're worthy to be on the show. If you see what I mean. <laughs> And we used to do this thing in Edinburgh called called Spank, which was a late night, um, you know, late night comedy show. With and as I say, if you're a sketch act, it's much more difficult to to win over the audience because you you've, you're in a routine where you, and you can't sort of break out of it and start talking to the audience and bantering with them in the same way that stand-ups can. So um, if if it starts to go wrong, it's very difficult. <laughs> To get get them back on side, maybe even impossible. But I remember once when it was going so badly, oh. um, I can't remember why. Something had taken a wrong turn at some point, and then just a couple more mistakes or misjudgments from one or, or all of us, until they were baying for us to get off at the end. Oh no! But but we but we had the last, <laughs> last thing we were doing was to a sound cue, so we couldn't get off until the <laughs> sound cue had played itself out. Oh, and, no. But there was a sort of weird, it's like, I don't know, being naked in public or something, there was a weird sort of freedom to it by the end of it. And like standing on stage with about 100, 150 people baying at you to get off was, I, I don't recommend it, but it felt sort of strangely cleansing. <laughs> and I remember just at the very end, as we finally were allowed to get off, I just said into the microphone, come and see our show. And yeah. that was, so, I, you know, not that they laughed at that, but it, it seemed to round it off quite nicely. 
Per- yeah, but perfect way to end it. And I, I, I love the fact, I mean, I don't love the fact you're being booed, but I, I love the fact that they obviously thought if we boo, they'll leave, and then you're waiting for a sound kid. It's like, no, no, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you crack on, but we're going to just stand here until... Yes, <laughs> it was. It was, it was excruciating, but I was sort of, I remember even at the time, sort of slightly laughing because it was so excruciating. Yeah, I but but... You know, I think anyone in any career who says, oh, everything I've ever done has been incredibly successful is, is delusional. Yeah. Um, you know, every, everyone's fallen, um, whether it's their fault or not. But, you know, Weirdly, a- I sort of prefer that reaction to the, to the silence or the muted sniggering or embarrassed shuffling that we some, you sometimes get. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've been to a couple of, say, new, I suppose, new starter kind of, or people you know, sort of starting out. Yeah, You're right. that that room where there's people staring at their phone, and then there's the odd, like you said, the odd smirk or the odd guffaw or whatever. Yeah. Oh, this is this is quite painful because people yes. aren't engaged, but they feel a bit guilty, so they'll throw you the odd snigger, you know. Yes, and and were, that's quite soul destroying. It is, oh. and and we had, I and mean, this isn't unique to us, but we I can't remember any of the examples now, but there would quite often be a line or a moment early on in one of our shows and from the reaction that got we could tell what it was going to be like yeah and if there was no reaction oh dear yeah <laughs> yeah, that, I mean? yeah you pass the line out and you're like oh no yeah <laughs> we've got our tight 20 but yeah. 19 of those left <laughs> exactly yeah and it's just it's the audience becomes a it gets its own sort of center of emotional gravity so if they're forbidding or not enjoying it or reluctant to go with you the, the, it's the devil itself to try and change turn that round. yeah yeah it, 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 and it afflicts anyone at any stage in their career again I, I still went to see a very well known and famous comedian I don't know what had happened they don't something had happened in their personal life or, or something had happened to completely throw them but hmm. they came came on stage but they were so off their game um, yeah. So you could just tell that they in their head they were trying to. I don't know what it. Yeah, don't know what it was this day. Don't know what it was, but but clearly something that was occupying their brain space. Um, and they were they were obviously trying to go through the routine, but they were completely thrown by something. And it's it was such a difference to watching what was normally a very polished and you know well thought out, well constructed. Yeah hour and a half of comedy to watch watch somebody's their brain somewhere else while they're trying to go on autopilot to yeah. lunch material and it's like oh no just and you almost think I, I don't want to tell you to get off in, in the kindest possible way I don't mean like boo get off but I mean yes, I think you, clearly something's up yes <laughs> probably wouldn't need to get sort that out wouldn't it be better if you were to get off <laughs> sort well, of clean your head for half an hour or, yeah. or sort of, make the phone call or speak to whoever you need to and then We'll wait, and then when you feel like you can do it, come back on again. Um, yeah, and we'll listen. But but don't torture yourself with I don't know whatever it was while trying to yes. give up the show. You know, I mean, it's I stand up. I've I've only done tiny amounts of stand up, and it's definitely not for me. I don't think I'm, I've got the right personality or anything for it at all. Um, I, I love the freedom that it, you know, just turning up and it's just you and a microphone. I love the idea of that, but. I, de- I, I could never do it so I absolutely admire the people who do do it oh uh, yeah we've touched on that before and obviously the purpose of this podcast is I mean there are some comedians 
as in working you know, full-time comedian but, but per, 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 part of the purpose of this podcast is really to speak to people who are just in that industry not mm. necessarily just the one-man show or the one yes show. it's it's because i you know they there's already quite a few podcasts for those people to be interviewed and you know, explain their craft and that kind of thing i thought it'd be quite nice to talk to people who are just in you know who are in the industry playing away doing things achieving things um, yeah don't get that light shot upon them that actually but all these people make that industry work you know i it, it always shocks me when people are surprised by you know certain shows on quite a few shows on television or certain comedians when they when it's revealed and i'm using huge <laughs> quotation marks yes quotation marks there when it's like well they have writers or or they've been sent the questions before so they can yeah with funny well, of course they have that would be insane on a tv show if it's like right <laughs> yeah. here's the question we immediately need to all come up with funny stuff the second <laughs> which is revealed it's like that would be an insane show to watch <laughs> they'd be like 10 minutes of silence rather than going right i've got to put something that's funny yeah. about You've, you've made me want to see it now the, the idea of yeah, that I was thinking could could you convince the BBC yes. to not show the questions before and then just watch four yeah. or five comedians drown as they can't think of something funny about the question you've asked yeah exactly come on BBC come on BBC um, let's ruin the careers <laughs> of comedians come on mind you there is a show called is it Set List where stand-ups are confronted with the a, a topic, quite a weird topic, yeah, and they have topic, to do. I think works. A, to- a topic, I think. Uh, again, I assume they may be given the topic, but even if not, a topic you can be more generally. But when there's a show that has, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten questions. Yeah. You know, to to imagine that they've walked onto us, walked onto the set, sat down with their glass of water, yeah. and immediately come up with a list of incredibly funny stuff consistently. Yes. You know, just off off the back of the hand. It's like, well, no, that's just not how anything works. Exactly. It? And it's <laughs> and it's, it's it's bad enough when um on have I got news for you when they get a politician on who thinks they're funny. Oh. And, they've, and they've cut they've they've got their pre-prepared lines that they're going to deliver yeah. and it's it's just cringeworthy. So painful. And it, it's true of any, you know, no matter how brilliant you are, how successful you are, how clever you are, it, you know, even um actors and things if you think when they film like a, a major success film if you if you assume they just switched the cameras on did one take and went right let's move on yeah of course they didn't <laughs> when that didn't quite work or didn't quite like the way that worked or your tone was a bit off on this or yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know it, it's that's just how it works you need a bit of time to finesse um yes develop you know and but it always amazed me when people say oh, i didn't realize this was you know they'd been sent the script it's like wow really <laughs> really and you just you think i mean they must they would be the absolute top of the game if they came up with that level of response to a question i think it might be sometimes you just watch the. i mean not so much anymore but there's an aspect of what you see on the telly must be right because it's on the telly so yes. maybe and, and to be fair you know you don't need to necessarily think about it more than that yeah. So, so people just go, oh, that was funny, that was quick, well done, and then yeah. move move on rather than giving it too much extra thought. No, I, I agree, and I, I just enjoy it. Don't don't analyse it, but it's just when people seem outraged by, I didn't realise they were given the question. Oh, before. I see what you mean. Yeah. So it's the yeah yeah no it's, it's, it's just, bizarre. just enjoy the funny. Don't don't ask the mechanics about how the show's put together because all shows have some level of development and reworking and editing and yeah that bit again. I mean, you know. 
it's I just, know. just how it works. You know? I mean, it's hard enough, not hard enough, but I mean, there's the amount of reality shows that are on these days rather than things that people have properly written and have been pr- properly acted. Yes. Com- comedy wise, certainly. It's, 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 there's far less opportunities than there used to be. Yeah, think, sa- sadly, so. sadly, that's what I hear, and I, you know, I've tried obviously various avenues, and it's it's not. I'm not suggesting that mine should be picked over anyone else's, but certainly the the opportunity levels have dropped off mm, yeah. a lot. Um, and it does feel a bit now. You're either inside the tent, or you're nowhere near the tent, and you're not, you know. <laughs> A big fence around the tent, you know, exactly, like, yeah. the fence. A static um, caravan on the other side of the field. <laughs> There's an old 40-year-old static leaky caravan <laughs> yeah. that you have to sit in um, and just hope that somebody, I don't know, dies presumably before you're allowed to... Yeah, I think so. One out, one in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now I just sound like a bitter and twisted scriptwriter. Why isn't it all my stuff published? <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, next question. So the next question is, name one item of memorabilia you have acquired from the circuit that you would happily pull from the fire before anything else, including loved ones. Well, I, this is a slight cheat because uh, I, I was in the audience for a TV record um, of, um, it was Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge. Oh, wow, yeah. And he, Steve Cooking, stayed in character between takes, as you can imagine. Hmm. I mean, he didn't banter with the audience particularly, but he just, you know, you could see him right, yes, thinking about, but whenever anyone asked him a question, he'd answer as Alan. And it's that episode, I can't remember, yeah, I think it's um, Rebecca Front is a sort of singer. Yes. um, And they do an ABBA medley. I remember that. Yeah. She keeps calling him Alan, Alec. Alec. (laughs) And in the end he goes, Alan, 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 Alan. And he's, he's got a, 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 a business card, which he's because he's, he's also got a stamp with his signature on, so he doesn't have to sign things anymore. He just does a stamp onto cards. So Brilliant. he stamps on this card and then sticks it on his forehead and goes, "Alan, Alan, Alan." And um, and after that take, I was sitting in the front row and he said, oh, "I don't know if anyone wants this." And I put my hand up. So I've got that card. <laughs> That's incredible! What a nice thing to have. It is, and I, I used to, in fact, this could have been my totem, because I used to carry it around with me, only because I would lose it otherwise. Nine! <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it, in the end, I thought it was getting very raggedy, so I put it somewhere safe, and now, obviously, I've forgotten where it is. I definitely got it somewhere. It's definitely very safe somewhere, yeah. It is, yeah, exactly, wherever it may be. <laughs> uh, what, a, what a nice memory from that, from that record, though. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. I, I think those, those, I don't know, what you'd call them silly things maybe but i i think that somehow they have more meaning than the big things you know something yeah personal, isn't it it's a bit unique it's a bit i don't know it's just by chance that you've, you've got it not through paying for it or you know begging for it or something it's just yeah into, into being i think those things always have a bit more i don't know well they're just, they're just fun to look back on you know yeah. and something, something like that is is you know it's not going to take up much space so <laughs> hence why I'm not quite sure where it is no I've got, I've got a fairly good idea where it is um, there's, actually there's one other item which I thought of as, after I thought of that which is um, when it goes back to when I was doing news review for the first time yeah and because uh, the way I got into that was I used to live in a house um, a house share and one of the other occupants was 
uh, this girl who was going out with Steve Pemberton from the League of Gentlemen. Oh, wow. In fact, they're, in fact, they're now married. Oh. And uh, I used to go to see the League of Gentlemen when it was, you know, in a, well, actually it was the same theatre as New Jersey, Canal Cafe, which is like a 50-seater above a pub. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they'd quite often go, can you come and see our show? There's got no one coming to see it. Which no. is quite incredible thinking about it now. Yeah. Anyway, so I used to... I got on well with Steve and we used to sort of hang out and I'd talk about, I'm really jealous of you doing all this, because at the time I was still, because I'd been to university but then I went to music college, so yeah. I was just doing music at this point, but I was sort of hang, hankering for something else. And he said, well, they're looking for a pianist for news review. And um, so he wrote down the director's number on a League of Gentlemen flyer, and I've <laughs> got that flyer still somewhere. Oh, with, how wonderful. With his writing on it with the, you know, with the... With the phone number on it, so that's quite treasured oh, as well. So lovely, and so lovely that he thought of it. I think, I know, I think I will certainly, and again, I'm beginning to sound quite bitter and twisted when I say this, but honestly, I'm not. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of people on social media in, let's say, in the industry, just mm. keeping it vague, who do a lot of, you know, I'm always here to support people and bring people, people up and, you know, sort of take them on you know, a long journey. And when you actually get talking to them, it's very clear that, that that's a PR stunt. They have absolutely zero interest in anyone else treading on their turf. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of um, <laughs> it's kind of something <laughs> nice to say. But when you say, "Oh, great," can you actually? No, 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 go away! <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely don't want to help you in any way whatsoever. Yeah. Like, but you said yes, but that's PR, isn't it? That's yeah. I would say equally. I have come across people who have been amazing and have given me opportunity or yeah time uh, even things you know like uh, talking to yourself and and, the, and obviously you know, your involvement with monson jackson he says yes getting a pr stunt in there um <laughs> but you know just just even the number of people when i when i started asking um uh, what i consider successful famous nice kind you know, people to to be involved and uh, expecting all of them to go who are you go away yeah um and actually almost all of them said yes and it's just yeah. wow I, I I'm genuinely staggered that you know these people have all said yes they'll do do something and even ones that were recording major shows at the time um, they they still found a slot to record their their piece you yeah. know it's That's just nice isn't it that, you know it's yeah just amazing that they haven't got a lot I'm really sorry I'm doing some really big thing now your you know your tiny little sort of small island show will have to go and they said no no I'll, I'll fit it in um, somehow. And it's like, wow, what amazingly nice people. So, a mix, well, I suppose. A mix, yeah. But uh, I've, uh, again, I, I might be um, theorizing as I'm saying this, so it might all be bollocks. But <laughs> um, a lot, to be a comedian, I think, or stand up particularly, you have to be, um, you have to be empathetic to what makes other people laugh. So yes. you have to, do you know what I mean? You can, you've got to have a strong, you know, you've got to bend people round to your way of thinking. But at the same time, You've got to know what is um, going to make people laugh and, and what is funny naturally. And I think you've got to have emotional intelligence in a way. Yes. And um, and so you're not going to be, just be unthinkingly callous to someone because you, 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 that doesn't go with the territory, if you see what I mean. Yeah. That's what, anyway, that could be bollocks, but I'm sure no. there are many, many exceptions to that. But, uh, but uh, generally, generally, sort of, if you're... If you're, as I say, intelligent and bright and empathetic, 
then you, then um, then you're not going to dismiss people out of hand. No, um, and I, I I think you're right. I, and with exceptions, obviously, that some people have been amazing. Some people have started being amazing, and then and I you know. So someone I started doing some work with suddenly just stopped responding, and I I can't uh, remember anything I did or said, or no. know, I don't remember sending them any kind of hateful email in the middle of the night, <laughs> you know, no. like that. It's like I don't understand why or what this is, or, or why we've stopped, or yes. You know, and I even asked, saying, "Yeah, what what have I done? Yeah, what's even if they don't uh-huh. work with me again? What what was the trigger? Yeah, what was the?" And I never got a response to that, but I literally we were doing something and then we were talking about the next session and then it it just died and it's like i'm sure there could be a hundred reasons that absolutely nothing to do with me yes why that happened but it would just be nice i suppose to know isn't it? it's like no it's nothing to do with you it's just all these other things have come up i've got to bounce you because I yes you know these are big well these are bigger opportunities for me. fair enough yeah i i accept that as a perfectly valid I I just I, I, it wasn't me that I. I don't no, know. I know what you mean. I, 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 I do. I, I feel for you because I know exactly what what you mean. And I don't know if it's just a British thing or if it's worldwide. But uh, there's so many projects that we've had that have gone so far, mm. and then rather than them saying sorry, it's not going any, going any further. It's just silence, radio yeah. silence, which then continues into, you know, into infinity. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's just that. Just at least have the courtesy to, to give me a, a reason, even if the reason is, you know, we're not continuing this. We're going, you know, we're we we picked up something else, and it's it's not your time this time. So, mm. I mean, some, in fairness, that that does happen as well sometimes. Yeah. So it's it's not exclusive. Yeah, it's silence against me. I don't obviously I don't like to hear it's not happening, but I'd rather hear that than total silence because that's yeah. the I mean, Apparently, that's what happened to Doctor Who in 1989. They yes. just never said when the next series was coming. No. And, and they didn't say it's going to come back in 16 years with Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. But anyway, there you go. Yeah, I, yeah even mighty shows like that. I mean, I, it's, uh, I don't want to go too much off topic on to Doctor Who, but it, it, again, one of the things that makes me smile a bit is when there's these rumour mills about, um, I think there's another podcast I was listening to that talked about this, but they're talking, uh, it could even be wheezing groaning, actually. Oh, yeah. Possibly hoping, hey, do oh, probably they're talking about um, when they were touting sort of who's going to be the new Doctor Who and they start touting Hollywood A listers. Oh, like, yes, I remember I, that. I don't think, <laughs> yeah, no disrespect, but I don't think somebody's being paid like 40 50 million pounds a film is going to be doing Doctor Who. Yeah, I remember all those. It's going to be Sylvester Stallone or David Hasselhoff. Yes. I remember yeah. all that. <laughs> And it's like, no, it, it won't be. Honest, just trust yeah. it won't be those people, honestly. No. And also, it shouldn't be those people. And also, it shouldn't <laughs> be those people. Although, of course, it has gone to Disney now, so who knows? Well, that's yeah. true. I mean, I'd, I'd quite in a way, I'd quite like to have seen Sylvester McCoy regenerate into Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> that would, wow, that would be one hell of a regeneration. <laughs> that yes. would be incredible. <laughs> Anyway. I mean, they, they've retconned. Uh, I don't know where. I'm not, I don't know enough to get into that argument, but they've retconned first Doctor sort of question yeah. mark now, haven't they? So why yeah, not they just go nuts now and just have? I don't Hollywood A-listers as other Doctors that may or may not have existed in the past or in the well, future. Exactly, it's all up for grabs. You could go nuts now, couldn't you? You could have the uh, <laughs> Doctor Who in the multiverse and yeah, 
never ending. Um, let's hope they don't do that. Obviously, but uh, that's not a suggestion, Disney. Uh, now, well, uh, I mean, I get, again, we get seriously off to- topic, but um, as it is on Disney, I think there is plans for a multi-series uh, franchise rather than just just the one. But anyway, uh, uh, see what I know. I know. I've got a headache coming on. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. And you, don't, you don't have to watch it. No, well, absolutely. I do, but you don't. <laughs> That's always the answer, isn't it? Yes, I, I can't wait for uh, Wheezing Going when you're having to review. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 16 different variations. That's true, yeah. It just drives yourself nuts. Yeah. Obviously, I mean that in a compassionate and loving way, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, right, uh, next question. So the next question is... What one thing would you not tell up-and-coming funny people so that they can suffer like you did? Yeah, quite right, too. What I wouldn't tell them is that um, there's a tremendous amount of starting again involved, as in starting right back from scratch. You don't get certain distance and then start from there next time. You have to keep starting from the beginning and proving yourself again, And I, I guess, if you, and, unless you get to some stellar level of success when everything changes but when you're when you're picking your way and uh, starting out there's a lot of go back to square one um and you have to enjoy that process you have to not mind and not be disillusioned and disheartened by it but enjoy i mean this is something we're going to come on to in a future question i think but uh, i enjoy all the process of of just working things out from from the beginning and coming up with you know the blank page and all that rather than rather than rather than pinning everything onto one particular vision or one particular project or yeah. idea you think okay well what else have we got i quite like that i, I yeah absolutely and I, I i know there's um whenever the media do a you know, overnight success whether that's a comedian or a singer or an actor or whoever where they keep putting this overnight success and it's like you look at their career and go, well, they've been doing this since, you know, 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. It's not technically overnight success, is it? What it is is a lot of hard graph, trial and error, things that worked, things that didn't work. And eventually at some point they got that lucky break. Yeah. Projected him into the stratosphere. Um, but it's not by any definition overnight, is it? No, no, I think that's over- overnight. I, I don't think that actually, I mean, not literally, of course, but even if it's... A couple of months. It's, it's, I think it's it's always longer than that. Surely. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen some famous people when they've been sort of said, "Oh, overnight success, you know, insert name," and they've gone, "No, no, 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 no." I've been doing this for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Many, many, many years. I've had good gigs. I've had bad gigs. I've had awful gigs. I've had to, like you said, I've had to restart. I've had to, you know, change the image or change the approach or whatever. And. and <laughs> At some point, the stars aligned, and some someone went them there. Use them, put them on the stage. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's just it's hard graft. It is I don't, one one of the reasons for this is is talking you know to a range of people because it is hard graft. It's it's mm. not. You don't wake up one day going, I've written a funny line, and the next minute you know you're head of comedy at BBC. <laughs> no, it just doesn't. You know, it's hard graft, and you're competing in the field of a lot of other people. Yeah, more and more, and there's, there seems to be less and less money as well. To to you know, you have yeah. to write things on spec. I mean, you always did, but I think you know, get the impression that you don't get development money like they used to occasionally no. be. No, no, you no, you absolutely don't. And um, from my personal experience, when I 
first started properly doing submitting scripts to you know, competitions on because I, I like many other people naively believe that my script will be selected and immediately given to Hollywood to be made into a blockbuster, um, which obviously doesn't happen. Well, there have been some examples where it has sort of happened, but but mainly no. And even when I've placed as a finalist, you think, right, this is it. Any minute now, there's going to be the phone yeah. call. Um, it's going to be immediately made into a sort of a you know, huge, and I'll be a multimillionaire, and I can just relax. It's like, oh, no, literally nothing's happened. <laughs> you know, oh, not dear, yeah. nothing. Apart from being told I was a finalist, uh, yeah. in the top ten or whatever. Literally nothing has happened, and then you watch the person go. Well, maybe they just pick the top, yeah, the, the actual winner, if you like, the top number one, and then you sort of watch their path go. No, no, they're still just submitting to the competitions the following year, <laughs> like I am. So literally nothing's happened, and they've got more expensive. The the some of the um, entry fees for some of these alleged, you know, will get you a gig in Hollywood. Um, lies. Um, yeah, it's just some of it now is so expensive. Um, even yeah. recently, and I, I won't name the obviously for obvious reasons I won't name them but they sent me a um, a chance to speak to uh, sort of a, someone who's in the industry who's got contacts and has been involved in these shows you're like oh good god yes please thank you and the way the email was written was very much in a um, you're, you know, you're being given the opportunity to speak to them. You know, yeah. oh, based on my work, great. And then when you actually click on the link, it's like just give us a load of hundreds of dollars, <laughs> and then you have an opportunity to. Oh, right. So this is nothing to do with me. This is just you trying to make money off me for yeah. the chance for me to have ten minutes with somebody to try and convince them in that ten minutes. Who and they haven't got skimpy do who I am, obviously. Yeah. That I'm yeah, the one yeah. to work with, and it's like. Yeah, I know that's part of maybe how the industry works, but that wasn't the int- the tone of the email. It was certainly more based on your, you know, your uh, past work, not give us a load of money. Yes, and but that's more raw how it is now. It's very much um, we want loads of money, and you'll get nothing in return. Um, and yes. even if you place, you get nothing in return. Yeah, um, and it's it's amazing how little things like I remember once. Um, we were doing a show in London, uh, only about four or five nights or something, and we actually got a really good review in the Evening Standard after the first or second show, and we thought, oh, brilliant, we're going to be sold out now. No, yeah. four people in the audience or something. Yeah. It's, uh, people, you know, it's, it takes more than that. You, it's not a ticket to to stardom, one no, review. No, you're absolutely right. Going back, just circling back on the Ed Fringe, some people who um, had got laurels and you know, sort of big ticks from the previous year, and you think, well, that's it now, isn't it? Going to turn yeah. up, and it's going to be people clamouring to get in, and they're going to have to sort of shoehorn the audience into the room. And it's like, oh no, it's it's kind of exactly the same level of audience as last year. So like, yeah. that's had very little effect on yeah you know, on audience level, which is a real shame. But yeah. But, I suppose the harsh reality, isn't it? You've got a laurel, but and it surely does. It, it has a benefit, but it's not the stellar level of benefit you were hoping. No, and of course with Edinburgh as well as that, big in Edinburgh or successful in Edinburgh doesn't always. You know, you, you get back from Edinburgh and no one knows who you are again. <laughs> so it's, you know what I mean? That's what I mean. Starting from scratch all the time. Yeah, I was, the, I was talking the ground to. Up. I was talking to a uh, producer. Um, just saying, I think one of the things that I 
I'm trying to be realistic. Probably, you know, I'll never probably get anywhere particularly, but I'll still plug away and just see what happens. But I'm being realistic. And it's like, even if you just think of the number of people that go to film school or go to acting school or or go to comedy school, you know, whatever, whichever area they want to get into, if you think of the number of people who are doing that and then look at the number of people who you would say are household names. Yeah. It's a very depressingly small pool of people. Yes, vanishingly. Not being an actor in Hollywood, really. I mean, you shouldn't give up. I'm not. I'm not doing this from a native. You should absolutely plug away because you never know that perfect moment where the thing you've written, or the comedy show you've presented, or you know, the script you've helped write suddenly just falls into the right lap or the right time, and then suddenly off you go. And that that is just sometimes how it happens. So, keep yeah, that by all means. But and also, you've well, it's, you can't say you've got to enjoy it, but it, it really helps if you can enjoy the, the you know every part of the of the. Um, I hesitate to use the word journey because it sounds a bit too reality show, but you know what I mean. You've got to enjoy the process of of, of writing it and then getting feedback and changing things. You you can't get precious and and obnoxious about it. You see what I mean? No, 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 no absolutely not. No, keep your feet on the ground. Remember where you came from. Yeah, yeah. So. Right. Next question. Next question. Outside of comedy, what else do you enjoy doing, and what would be your ideal career? Well, um, <laughs> um, I, as I said earlier, I trained as a musician. I still do quite a lot of music. Um, so I guess that covers that in a way. Although I'm getting less and less bothered. I, I'm, much, I'm much less inclined to go out in the evenings now. <laughs> I don't think I'd miss not doing live performing so much. Um, what I really... I mean, this, isn't, this is comedy, so it it's doesn't really answer the question, but... Um, just doing podcasting and, and SoundCloud stuff, music arranging and writing, and mm. just stuff that amuses me. That I love doing. That that's that's what I that would be my ideal career. Is if some if someone could you know if I could do it full time, just sat at home doing podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of with you on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, edi- no editorial. You'd have to jump through hoops. It's just literally what what you want to do at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, obviously, partly the reason for this really is just to have a chat. And um, yeah, no, it's lovely. It's that sort know. of thing. That's, I, I do love podcasts, and I love the podcasting world. Yes. And if if there was a way of earning money from that, I'd I'd be very happy. Yeah, I, I yeah, the commercialization. I think there's been several large hitter companies who've kind of tried it and then dropped it, haven't they? Because there is a lot of podcasts out there now. But, but yeah. I, that doesn't lessen you doing your show. No. Um, but it's just and, been having a reality check, isn't it? That well, it is. is. I mean, so. it's, it's so difficult to make money from anything worth fun or creative. Mm-hmm. Um, that as long as you make time to do it, then I'm, as I say, I, if, if I could do it full time, I'd be happy. I know it's, that's impossible financially, but uh, if you can make time for it, I think it's, you know, as good a thing to do as any to get to satisfy your creative itch yeah. i mean yeah absolutely it's why why i've, I've you know well it's, uh, you're involved so as you know uh, seriously months in jazz. yeah 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 i always make sure the people involved are paid i i don't no you, you're very you're very you look after us all very well andy <laughs> thank, thank you <laughs> that's very kind of you no, that's true I, it's always been my approach that you should look after the even when I've been filming the shorts I've always you know the thing's always been everyone gets paid even if sometimes it's a bit mates ratesy um, well that's 
you know. Yeah. yeah. So everyone should get paid except me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's just how thing I I get things made. I can't. The number of times I see um, on social media where people are casting for. Um, a role or something, and they say, "Right, you need to be, you know, we need you in London by six a.m. tomorrow." Oh God, yeah, 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 and we'll give you fifty quid. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? Yes, <laughs> what? Someone's turning up at six a.m. to yeah. do a two-day shoot for fifty quid. How do you think they're going to afford? I mean, that's going to be the train ticket is going to be more than that, unless they live literally where you're filming. Yes, there's, there's, it's almost like. It's almost like the the less money there is, the more f- fun it is, or the more w- worthwhile it is, in a yeah. strange way. Anyway, yeah. yes, let's not let's not end on a low. No, 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 no. Let's ask the last question on a high. So the last question is: What is the one question you want to be asked that no one ever thinks to ask you? And that question would be: Can I pay you to stay at home and do podcasts? <laughs> Great answer. No, 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 no one's <laughs> ever asked me that. Um, no, and they should, Jeremy. They should. Oh, that's be very that kind. <laughs> they should. I know this is it's difficult to um, it's difficult to argue why they should do that. But uh, if you keep saying it long enough, maybe someone will. <laughs> well, you're going until the stars align. That's 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 the plan. That's very true. And if, as I keep saying, have fun doing it while you while you're getting there. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, that's certainly the the podcast I tend to stick with listening to are the ones where. You can genuinely tell the people involved are having fun. Yeah, exactly. I I can't do ones where it's I don't know. It's someone they've turned up to do. I know it's a job in, in a sense, but it's almost way it feels like it's a job rather than just two, three, four people whatever just having a laugh. Yeah, uh, just enjoying the time. And then that that for me is the bit that works. That's the the bit that keeps me coming back. Yes, exactly. They're really enjoying this, you know. Yeah, it's it's like what I was saying earlier about sitcoms. When there's a warmth there, yes, um, and a sense of friendship or affection, it instead of you know being antagonistical to the laughs, it actually helps it a bit. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Well, look, uh, a big thank you to you, Jeremy, for that interview. Oh, my pleasure. My absolute <laughs> pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, if you'd like to know more, I'll put some links in the show notes. Uh, and this has been an original podcast production for Light Motif Productions.